Well, welcome on this wonderful Sunday morning. So glad you could be with us here at the beginning of March as we start into all that God has for us today. We rejoice in what He's already done. Amen. Today is the uh, is Heart for the Kingdom Sunday. We rejoice in what God allows us to be partners in the kingdom with Him year in and year out. We rejoice in what He's doing. We're praising Him for all, all of His goodness and mercy and all of the wonderful things that our church family has been a part of for so many years and looking forward to that moving forward and moving on. Heart for the Kingdom is uh, it's a big deal. It's a big deal to us. It's a big deal to our church. It's a big deal because it's all about missions. It's a Sunday that we pause in the middle of whatever it is we're doing. We're, we're in uh, this, this year, our theme for the year is Engage. And we pause in the middle of that to focus in on the thing that matters more than anything else. Right? How many of you in your life and in your family, there are things that matter and then there are things that really matter? Okay. We're focusing in today on the things that really matter. That's where, where it's all about. Missions is it's one of our core values. I think every family needs core values. Core values are found in the Bible. Last year, we did a study on the book of Acts. We discovered some core values that they had there. In fact, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says they devoted themselves. This is after 3,000 people got saved, okay? It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, or, which is communion, and to prayer. Those are four of the six core values that are easily found in the New Testament, uh, what mattered most to the New Testament church. So you got four there. Then if you go over to Galatians, Paul has had a conversation with the leaders of the church. And in Galatians chapter uh, number two, verse number nine, I'm going to flip the order on you, friends, sorry. Verse number nine, it says, when James and Cephas and John, Cephas is Peter, so when Peter, James, and John recognized as pillars, acknowledged the grace that had been given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to me and to Barnabas, agreeing that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. So in other words, hey, listen, we're going to continue to reach the lost, okay? That would be the number one core value of every church. It doesn't matter. That's what the mission statement always boils down to when you get to the organizational aspect of every church around the world. They exist for one reason, winning people to Jesus. After that, discipleship, after that, you start to get into certain things that make them unique and special. Okay, so winning the loss, the fifth one. Then lastly, number six, verse number 10 goes on to say, they asked only that we would remember the poor, which I made every effort to do. So the last of the core values that the New Testament church lived by was homeless ministry, ministry to the poor. Those who, if the church didn't do something to help, would not have been able to help themselves. It was one of the earmarks of the early church. In fact, during the, uh, the plague that broke out in the Roman Empire, somewhere in the, in the late first century, the Christians, uh, it was said of that time period that if you had friends or family that were Christian believers, you had an 80% chance of remaining healthy, remaining alive, because they would care for you and love you when everyone else abandoned you and forsook you. So at their own peril, they still gave care and comfort. So here you've got six core values, six really important core values. 
fact, I think core values are so important, I think every family needs to develop their own set of core values. What is it that makes your family unique and special and unlike everyone else? My family has core values. We have four core values that you see kind of bleed out in everything that we do. Number one, work harder than you think is necessary. Work harder than you think is necessary. Number two is pray harder or more than you work. Sometimes we would say it a little differently. We might say it that we should uh, work like it depends on us and pray like it depends on God. We believe in both of those going hand in hand. Thirdly, laugh louder than what life throws at you. How many of you have ever had life throw a mess at you? How many of you have ever let that mess get the best of you? Laugh louder. You know why? Because life happens. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust, okay? So just because life has happened and thrown a mess at you doesn't mean that you're some sinner all of a sudden, uh, uh, you know, headed straight to hell. That's not what I'm saying. Life happens. Laugh louder. In other words, take it with a grain of salt because at the end of the day, I've read the last page in the book and I know who wins. Amen? So laugh louder. And lastly, love a little more than you should. Those are my family's four core values. Now, you should get your own. Okay? It's a great starting place, you know, but make sure that you get, get your own. Those have been a, a work in progress. In fact, as we were, I was preparing for this, Rachel and I were talking, and I said, hey, I want to I just kind of revisit these things to you. We've said them a little differently over the years, but this summarizes for us where we're at today. Core values are important. I think we can easily see that established in the Bible, New Testament church, six core values. Our families need them. They're important to me and my family that we have four core values. And then, as a church family, we have seven core values. We believe there are seven guiding principles for us here as a church that help to steer us where we're going and keep us on track. One of our core values that we're going to talk about today, it says we will leave the kingdom better than we found it. We will invest in missions here at home, right here in our neighborhood around us, as well as around the world. One of our core values here is a church. We will invest in missions at home and around the world because we're going to leave the kingdom better than we found it. Now, I've had some people push back on that and say, that sounds awful arrogant, you're going to make it better. The way I look at it, I'm standing on some pretty tall shoulders of those who've gone before us, amen? And we're going to continue to go forward. We're going to continue to see the kingdom better than where we found it by making a difference in how we live, how we give, how we serve, and how we worship. We're going to engage in that process. It all fits together, friends. So when we talk about investing in the world around us, that's the focus today is the world around us. Now, over the last six years, that uh, uh, I can only speak to those six years since I've been here. In the last six years, we spent a lot of time investing in the world around us, particularly our neighborhood. Amen? We've, we have done everything we can do, continue to invest there to make a difference, and we're going to continue to do that. We're going to never quit reaching People around us, because how many of you know people around us need Jesus? How many of you have neighbors that need Jesus? How many of you have a spouse sitting next to you that needs Jesus? 
No hands. Okay. Surprising there. Everybody wants to go home happy and healthy for lunch. Amen? We all have friends and family who need Jesus. So we're, we're never going to get away from our job here to reach the lost. We're also never going to get away from our job around the world. So right here at home, we're going to continue to invest in the schools in our local neighborhood to make those kids' lives better in a tangible way right there. And by the way, every time we ever do that, you know what they say? Kids, guess who did this for you? Harvest Assembly of God Church made this happen for you. You know what they don't ever say? Hey guys, this is Travis Jenkins and he did this for you. Uh-uh, I didn't do it. We as a church family, have invested there. That's, that's the way it works. As a family, this is what we're doing. We're making a difference right here locally. We're going to continue to do that. We're going to never quit making a difference in those uh, lives who are struggling in some tangible ways that we can help them through seasons of change. It's never going to go away. We are going to continue to make their lives better. That's an important part. We're never going to quit making a difference in lives of single parents through our single parent outreach on Wednesday nights or our Christmas toy giveaway, we're never going to quit doing those things. Those are important parts of our church ministry. They're a part of our DNA of who we are. We're never going to quit ministering to the homeless. It's part of who we are. We believe in that. The only local event or outreach that you might say we're not going to do anymore is this year we're not going to have Fall Fest when it comes time for October. We're going to rearrange and, and redirect some of that. So what is it that we are focusing on? Well, this year, all of our Heart for the Kingdom efforts are going overseas. They're going on the mission field in a foreign land. We're taking on two separate missions projects, one in the Spanish service that we're focusing in on and one in the English service that we're focusing in on. One of them is a crusade to reach people that don't know Jesus, and one of them is a tabernacle that will house those who've been one and those who will be one in the future to perpetuate the gospel message. So we're taking two separate approaches in our two separate services to one end, reaching people and discipling them once they've been reached. Amen? So that's the goal. That's what we're after in this whole process, okay? So this year's a little bit different as we focus in from that way. Now, it's also a little different because, let's face it, many of you who are... Let's say a little more in the seasoned believer category. Have already grasped what it means to get behind missions and have partnered with others to build the legacy that we stand on. Amen? Now, I said seasoned on purpose because I didn't say old. Because there are some young people who have partnered with missions for a long time. It's not about age. It's about seasoning and maturity. Seasoning because, well, we should all be well-flavored by now, amen? What we've got is a new generation of believers that are coming up who are going to be responsible to carry on the legacy that's been built before us. We have a new generation of believers, and we want you to take your place in this incredible mandate that we have to reach more people for Jesus and see that the fruit remains. That's where it's different. This is not a, a, a life preserver for anybody to get out of, out of uh, doing something for missions this year, okay? We want to aim at this new, new generation of believers 
Who let's, let's be honest, sometimes we've enjoyed the benefit of the seasoned believers and what they've made happen over the years, and we've never partnered with it. And this year, we want you to step up to the plate and take your place. So our goal is to raise enough money for a tabernacle in Africa. At the end of the year, um, if all things stay on course the way they are, we'll probably send an entire container that has 10 tabernacles. What we want is the younger generation, this, this new generation of believers, to step up and take our place and say, we're going to make that happen. And that's going to cost somewhere between seven dollars and $10,000. Bottom dollar numbers, okay? Now, I know some of you are going, wait, wait, wait Pastor, that's a, that's a lot of money. Well, yeah. If, if it wasn't a step of faith, it, it would be a, a, you know, something you could just write a check before. It might not necessarily be what God was asking us to do. Now, I know some of you are going, well, wait a minute, we're going to send a whole container. Why are you asking after one? Well, friends, we have a legacy we're standing on, and we're partnering along with that, and we want to all get on board. Here's what I've seen happen every single time. People take the step of faith, they give to missions, they go on a mission strip, and all of a sudden it gets in their heart. Why? Because we're partnering with the thing that matters most to God. You really want to see something change in your life? Make missions the number one priority of what you do. Reaching the lost. Yes, we are focusing this year on foreign soil. But what about your own neighborhood? We've got a mission field there to reach as well, and we have a job to do in that process. So our goal today, for those of you who say, well, I'm in that new generation. Again, I didn't say young or old. I said a new generation because maybe you've never taken the step to partner with missions. Today's your day. Today's your opportunity. We want you to step out and do that. Our goal, again, is to raise somewhere between seven dollars and $10,000 to see this happen. At $7,500, that's the, I don't know, I guess I should say the retail price. Um, if we send 10 we get a little bit of a different price, you know, for, for here at the church. It works a little bit differently depending on how it works. So our goal is $7,500 to pay for one full tabernacle to go on the field this fall. I'm setting you up because I'm telling you, I'm getting ready to ask you to make a 90-day pledge, okay? So I'm setting you up. I want you to understand what we're asking. Now, some of you may go, well, I could take care of that today. Great. Write the check, baby. Some of you are going, I'm not sure if I could give $10. Guess what? Let me show you how it works scripturally because that's how we're going to do this, okay? We're going to do it according to what the Bible says. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, verses 6 through 8, Paul is talking here, and he's talking to the, to the church here at Corinth, and he says, listen, I want you to get prepared for the offering that you've said you're going to do because I don't want you or us to be embarrassed to the Macedonians who are coming in. And he says this, remember this, a farmer who only plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your own heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all your need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Now listen, cheerful giver. How many of you are cheerful givers? Would you just slip up your hand? How many of you are like, oh man, I'm so tired, I squeak when I walk, good luck getting that wallet out of my pocket. No hands? Great. Pastor Mike, see what you've done for the last 11 years in building a cheerful, giving church? Friends? Friends? 
Today is a day we're, we're challenging you to step forward. I think this verse is an easy verse for some to take out of context. Because they might say this, well, I can only sow sparingly, so I shouldn't give, right? No, no, no. I don't, I don't see that that's the case. Because nowhere in this, or scripturally, uh, in the New Testament we're talking about giving to missions, is it about an amount. It's about a percentage of what God's given us. It's about doing with what God has given me. Because here's the deal. A little bit to me might be a huge amount to you. Or a little about to you might be a huge amount to me. It's not about what I have and what you have. It's about what we're willing to release to God. And, and I can prove that that's the case because in Mark chapter number 12, Jesus said this. He said he was sitting across from the temple treasury and he watched how the crowd dropped money into the treasury. Many rich people were putting in large sums. And along comes a poor widow. She dropped into tiny coins worth very little. And Jesus summoned all of the disciples and he said, guys, listen, I assure you, this poor widow has put in more than all those giving to the treasury. It's not about an amount. It's about a step of faith. It's about stepping out in faith. It's not about who gives the most. It's about who understands and invests in the right place. Have you ever had an opportunity of a lifetime that you let go by? You ever had one of those? This is a great deal. I'm going to make on you on this car that is only going to happen. One. I'm not talking about a car salesman's spiel. I'm talking about a legitimate, unbelievable, are you serious kind of deal. But if you didn't have the money, you couldn't jump on the opportunity, right? This is an opportunity that we have. And we want you to jump on it. Because giving to missions is where it's all at. We're talking about investing in the most fertile ground that there is, the absolute most fertile ground available, and that's helping people come to know Jesus in parts of the world that do not have an adequate response, an adequate presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They don't have a church on every corner like we do here. They don't have seven or eight of them in our neighborhood behind us alone. They don't have those opportunities to hear about Jesus, and then some of the churches they do have don't really teach what Scripture says. So we want to invest. I want you to see it as an investment into the kingdom. Whether you're, uh, you find yourself in the widow's seat in Jesus' story or the rich person's seat, it's not the point of how much money. It's about our heart and our motivation to give that Jesus is pointing at. Years and years and years and years and years ago, back in the ancient times of the 1990s, Worship leader named Alvin Slaughter wrote a fantastic song that still sticks with me today. The song was entitled, That's When. Part of the beautiful course that he wrote says, what's that you have in your hands? God can use it if you're willing to lose it. Take the little you have and make it grand. I am El Shaddai and I will more than supply your needs. Friends, you may feel like, well, what I have is a little bit. I could only give a little. That, it's not about what you have to give. It's about are you willing to release it? For some of you, maybe you write a check today or you make a 90-day pledge. That's going to be, wow, it's going to blow people's minds. But it doesn't blow God's mind. This is between you and the Lord. Years ago, I was introduced, and young minister, I was introduced to a book called The Tyranny of the Urgent. Great little book. Basically, in summary, it says our lives are going to be ruled by something. Our daily routines are going to be ruled by something. They can be ruled by what's important 
or we can give in to the tyranny of the urgent. For instance, you're having a really important conversation with your spouse or you're in prayer and your phone begins to ring. You're doing something important, but now you have something urgent to deal with. Because you have to do something with the phone, right? You can let it ring, but it's already got your attention. You can set it down. You could silence it. You could not take the call, but it still has your attention. You've had to choose between the important thing or the urgent thing. You know what? That happens a lot of times in our lives spiritually. That happens a lot of times in our lives financially. That happens a lot of times in our lives in church. Friends, today we're talking about the important things. Urgent things are going to be around us all the time. What did Jesus say? Hey, the poor you're going to have with you always, right? Not because we shouldn't help the poor do something, but because they're all, we're always going to have poor who need their help. If we don't do something, they won't be able to do it on their own. We have a job to make sure that we take the most important thing and move forward with that. So this beautiful little book has helped to shape who I am. It's helped to shape who we are today because we're investing in the important things, missions. Now, today we're going to ask you to make a 90-day faith promise. This is not a contract. Nowhere today are we going to ask you to sign in blood, to sign over your firstborn no matter how much you wish it did. It's not a, you're not going to get a letter in the mail that says you failed to fulfill your commitment. This is between you and God. And I want you to take it seriously. Because I want you to make a faith promise that between you and God, if he doesn't come through, you can't do it. But I also want you to be reasonable and responsible, not giving out of pressure. King James says under compulsion. I'm not trying to coax you out of your last dollar. I want you to make a faith promise that you believe you and the Lord could fulfill, but you alone probably can't fulfill it. Now, in the, la in the past, we've done it different ways. We've done six weeks. We've done a whole year. This year, we're focusing on 90 days. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you got three months. If you're sitting alone, just tell yourself. It's okay to talk to yourself this one time. You got three months, 90 days. Basically, what we're saying is you have the whole month of March, April, and May. Okay? March, April, and May. We're asking you to, for the 90 days to commit to what can you and the Lord do. Now, this is not instead of your tithe. This is in addition to. You know why I'm saying that? Because if you take your tithe and redirect it, that's kind of like taking God's checkbook and saying, here's where I want you to spend your money. Doesn't work that way, okay? So this is in addition to your tithes and your offering. However you feel like the Lord might bring it in, whatever it may be, God may blow your socks off and you make a commitment there's no way to make, and all of a sudden, look what God has done. Some of you could say, you know what, I feel like God today would ask me to give this much money, and so I'm going to write a check today because I have it and I feel like this is what God wants me to do. Great. In a minute, we're going to ask you, we're going to give you the chance to do just that. Some of you are going to say, I'm going to take all 90 days because I don't know how God's going to do this, but this is what I feel in my heart. And I'm going to look for ways to see, to cooperate with what God's doing to make it happen. When I was a youth pastor, we used to talk about speed the light giving. We'd do missions pledges and similar thing like this. And we'd have kids that would say, all right, pastor, here's what I'm going to do. 
this summer I'm going to mow yards and I'm going to give all of my money to missions. It's like, you know what, that is great. Can I just talk to you for one second about that? Practically speaking, how are you going to pay for the gas to mow the next one? Oh. I don't want you to set yourself up for failure is what I'm saying. Dream big. Dream huge. But in a second, we're also, when, we, when we do faith promises, we're also going to ask you to put your name on it. Again, not so we can send you a letter, but just so Michael Jordan doesn't make a million-dollar pledge. Okay? I happen to know of a church that Michael Jordan didn't show up in but did make a million-dollar pledge. Because some little kid thought his favorite basketball player ought to give to missions too. So we ask you to put your name on it so we know that, hey, there's really a person behind this. And we're going to believe with you. And every single week, we're going to take these faith promises, and we're going to pray over them, and we're going to believe that God can do the amazing and unbelievable through you. Now, listen, I hope to the Lord Jesus above that when the, when the faith promises come in, they blow back all of our hopes and dreams, and there's millions of dollars that get pledged and come in. But at the same time, our aim is a tabernacle, or two, or five, or ten, or all of them. Let's believe what God can do. So here's how we're going to do this. In the, in the seat pocket in front of you, there's an offering envelope. You're familiar with them. It's how we take our offering, unless you give online. I want you to take out one of these. We've done cards in the past. We've done all kinds of stuff. I want you to get one of these, and I want you to put your name on it. Again, that's so we know that it's really a real person. In a second, we're going to take a few moments, and we're going to pray. I'm going to give you a chance to really search the Lord. God, what do you have for me? Some of you may say today, Pastor, I can't. I can't make a commitment today. Fine. Take the next week and pray about it and bring it back next week and say, Pastor, here's what I can do. Here's what I feel like God's asked me to do. Okay? What I want you to do is there where it says other, on mine I've written faith promise. Okay? I've written faith promise and then over here in the amount line I have an amount. But also today, Rachel and I are giving half of ours. And so there where it says the Lord's tithe and my offering, I've written missions. And I have an amount written there. And I've totaled it up for my total faith promise for these 90 days. I'm not worried about whether or not Josh has a hard time figuring out between if it's a gift today or it's a pledge for later, that's going to be okay. We'll work through that. He's going to have some accounting work to do and we'll be just fine. So either way, what I want you to do is pray, God, what would you have for me? What would you have for me? For Rachel and I, we're taking a step of faith. This year, we're gonna, today, we're going to put in $500 in addition to what our pledge is for the next 90 days. Now, for some of you going, $500, oh my God, pastor, is that the, no, no, no. That's between me and the Lord. But I felt compelled to tell you what we're doing today as a way to stir your faith. Now, with giving this, let me say this. With giving this today, I also know this, that when they send the check to the bank, it's not going to bounce. I'm not asking you to write a check or make a faith promise that there's no way possible. Don't write a check that you're praying the Lord Jesus puts money in your account, okay? Let him, let him bring it to you and then take that step of faith. Josh is going to begin to play. As you've got your envelopes, in a few minutes I'll give you instructions with what to do next. 
But as Josh begins to just play some, some music softly, I want us to just, just take a moment and pray. This is unlike normal services. I get it. We do this once a year because it's that important. We're partnering with the most important thing we can do. So I want you to take a few moments to pray. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to give you a few moments. Father, God, as we seriously contemplate how can we invest in missions, what investment would you have us to make over the next 90 days? Father, I pray that we would be sensible and responsible and yet faith-filled that, God, you're speaking to us, and with your help, we can see that come to pass. Lord, I pray today that you would stir our hearts with unique ways that you can bring the resources in to fund your mission's work. Stir our hearts today in Jesus' name. As you pray, just begin to ask the Lord, Lord, what do you have for me? What are you speaking to me? And just begin to pray. as you've been praying I see many hands writing you got your envelopes again friends it's not about an amount it's about obedience to the Lord taking that step of faith we believe God's going to help us reach $10,000 man I don't have $10,000 to give but together I believe there's $10,000 to be reached amen about what we together can accomplish. Amen? When you've got your, your envelope ready, I want you to just kind of wave at me. Just lets me know. I can visual there, okay. Some of you are still working on it. That's okay. I'll give you just a couple more seconds. Now, I believe for all of us, this is going to be a sacrifice. Amen? It's kind of the goal. It's a sacrifice. choosing what I value the most over what I want the most. That's how I'm working through this. Personally, it's how I'm working through this. So as we prepare our sacrifices, I'm going to ask us all to bring them and lay them on the altar. After you've laid yours on the altar, you can go back to your seat. We're not quite done with service. But I want, I want us to make that physical step of stepping out in faith and laying our gift, our faith promise on the altars here at the front. 
Don't worry, we're not gonna let the envelopes run off. If you're putting money in, I promise it's gonna get where it's supposed to go. So if you would, all across the room, just go ahead and stand up. As you have yours ready, I want you to just make your way forward. Leave it here at the front. You can leave it face up, face down, either way, it don't matter, okay? Trust in God for a miracle in your life. As you're giving, they're gonna sing. What a powerful name. If you need help, you don't not gonna get up and bring it, you need somebody to bring it, just wave. I'll get it or somebody close to you will, okay? So if you need help. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ. Never, we never close a service here that we don't give people a chance to respond to the Lord and what he's doing. And we have intangible ways and faith promises. But maybe God's up to something spiritually in your life. He's drawing you close. You need prayer. Maybe you're recognizing the, the overwhelming concern of a church family for those who don't know Jesus. Today, we want to give you the opportunity to respond. Our prayer team, our, our elders and prayer team, they're gonna make their way momentarily. We're going to give you the chance if you need prayer for any reason. We want you to come forward for prayer. So again, I'm going to ask you to stand where you're at. It just makes it a little easier to get out. If you, when, we're, when we are done with this, it makes it a little easier for you to slip out. So everyone, if you would stand, elders, prayer team, if you would come. Friends, the thing that I know for sure, the thing I know for sure is that Jesus loves you. Today, maybe you've heard us talk about what matters most to God, but you've wondered, does God even care about me? And if that's you and you're saying, Pastor, I just need prayer because I don't know that God cares. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you slip up a hand? Curious if God even cares? Yeah, all right. Somebody else, okay. Yeah. Friends, can I tell you, He cares about you. In fact, people years ago in the 1960s, heard God say, there's gonna be a church right here. And they gave and they sowed so this building could be built because God knew one day we'd stand here in this pulpit, you'd sit in those seats and people gave to see it come to pass in your life today. Friends, if you think, don't think God loves you that much, you've missed the boat, baby. God cares about every detail of your life. And today he's calling you. So if you raised your hand and said, I'm not sure God even cares. We want to agree with you in prayer so that you can experience the overwhelming love of Jesus in your life today. Maybe you need prayer for some medical thing that you've got going on. You've got a doctor's report or you know people are sick or something else going on in your life. We want you to now begin to slip out of your seat. If you raised your hand or 
you need prayer for any reason and begin to make your way forward so we can agree with you in prayer. Worship team's going to sing. We're going to create an atmosphere of worship. Come on, begin to make your way. Yeah.